Welcome to episode 122 of Friends of Film, a podcast that relates news and releases in the movie world. On this episode, we'll cover new trailers for Ant-Man 2 and Robin Hood, Deadpool 3 possibly not happening, and more after we rank the best X-Men movies. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by man officially on summer break, Josh Straley. I have running away from my responsibilities, Cooper. It feels good. <laughs> I mean, technically they ended, but not having... The weight of school crushing down on me for a few weeks is feels pretty great. You're not doing summer school or anything? I am doing summer oh, classes. Oh, well, so I'm like sorry. Two weeks, and then it's back to it. <laughs> two weeks of fun and be able to go enjoy movies, and then you're right back at really, it. Really, really should have paid more attention to Spanish. Oh, man. <laughs> Sp- oh, <laughs> Spanish. Just, it's just the worst. But don't be like me and forget your Spanish homework. Uh, but you can get all of our latest updates on Facebook and Twitter at Friends and Film. And be sure to check out the rest of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And if you can, on iTunes, leave us a review. It really helps. Yeah, and be sure to head over to our website, friendsandfilm.wordpress.com. It is admittedly a slow period uh, in the wake of Infinity War. And, you know, as we kind of wait for the rest of the summer season to kick in and after Infinity War breathes a little bit. But uh, I have a review of Tolly up now. Uh, I think we're going to have some other ones coming up here in the future, whether it's, uh, you know, Joking Phoenix's new movie or Mm -hmm. whatever comes out next week. I have no idea what it is. Um, But, you know, if anything interesting uh, is in theaters near us and we go see it, there will be a review up on the site. So just keep your eye on the Twitter feed, Facebook feed, um, on the website itself. You can like subscribe to our website or like the page and you get email updates anytime we make a post. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's convenient for you. If you guys do want to, uh, you know, know what's going on on the friends and film, uh, website, but today we are here, um, in the lead up to Deadpool two, there have been 10 X-Men related, movies made by fox and we thought what better time than now maybe maybe next week would have been better It'd be the week before yeah, but probably we had nothing else to do this week so we are going to rank the x-men movies from worst to best or at least in our personal uh viewpoints that is mm-hmm. not necessarily this is not concrete fact uh these are opinions but at the same time, the X-Men movies have had a very up and down road so far. And I feel like most people are in agreement of where the ups are yeah. and where the lows are. <laughs> and then there's like this in-between period where it's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. good. Those were those were good movies. Right, where you could be like, oh, I have no strong emotions, but I had fun there. Yeah. Type of a thing. Um, but like the X-Men franchise as a whole, though, I think someone, I don't know who tweeted that. Um, I'll give credit before this episode ends. But I had the the best description of it. Um, and they're like, the X-Men franchise is actually, this is quoting now, the actually the most authentic comic book universe mm-hmm. because it has absolutely screwed up continuity, wildly fluctuating quality, universe resetting mega events, spinoffs with different tone audience, and makes people very angry. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that sums it up beautifully. That is very true. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's movies we're going to address very early on in this list that you, you know, as somebody who watched you know, all these movies kind of growing up, you're like, wait, n- no, th- that mm. doesn't make any sense with what you did in this other movie. And it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's confusing and it's m- maddening and, but it is what it is. Brian Singer is perhaps the, you know, the most ardent fan then. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> How do we make this really original? 
So we are going to go through this list going uh, 10 through 8, then 7 through 5, then 4 through 2s, and then ending each with our number 1. Uh, I guess I will start yes, please. with this list. And surprise, 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 the number 10, the worst X-Men movie mm. released is X-Men Origins Wolverine. Ooh, okay. Because there, no, I'll admit, this isn't just like a complete dumpster fire. Right. You know, I think for all of these movies, there are portions of it that I can find enjoyment out of. But whether it's like the way that it just like totally just throws Deadpool away and tries to make him something yeah. he's not. And for me, as somebody who whenever, whenever, I don't remember when this movie came out, but when it did. Like 2006. You know, this was like uh, 2009. 2009. So like this Jeez. was kind of still before I was really getting into comic book movies okay. and even reading comic books and knowing all this stuff. So then like for me, I see this movie and I'm like, wow, this like character is crazy. He can mm-hmm. like get any power he wants. He shoots lasers out of his eyes, gets <laughs> these like crazy long swords out of his arms. And then you're just like, oh, that's that's not Deadpool. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay, cool. But, you know. Hugh Jackman still Wolverine. Right. Uh, Lee Schreiber as Sabretooth. I th- I think's a fun dynamic they them two have. But mm-hmm. just like, it's one of those movies that there's just like so many inconsistencies with what the other X Men movies did before. That you're like, here's the prequel, and it's like, right. This makes no sense whatsoever. And like the love story doesn't work all that. Well, you know, there's a love story. Yeah. Well, wait, no, yeah, but it like ends like. Two minutes in, right? Yeah, because she like because she like dies, quote unquote, and, and like get her kidnapped or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she dies, right. but she doesn't die, and then she's actually working with the bad guys, and it's like what? Yeah. Oh, that's and it, it's just, it's just bad, and like she's the one that gives him like you know the the Wolverine moniker basically, and mm-hmm. you're just like, come on, stop, Fox, what are you doing? Uh, it's it's not it's not it's not good. The opening though, I will say, I do thoroughly enjoy the opening montage credit roll. Where yeah. you get him basically fighting in every war, historical war. I mean, that, that's what this know. movie should have been. It would have been so awesome. Like if he was going from like World War One to World, World War Two, War Wolverine. WWW. Hugh Jackman should come back for that. I mean, sure. I mean, Hugh be- Jackman should come back, but and that should be one of the movies. Yes, and then the other one <laughs> should be the Deadpool Wolverine team up. Ryan Reynolds is still pushing for. Oh, it. that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's not really a surprise this one comes in at number four, cause, okay. or not number four, at number ten. Jeez, this is number four. Uh, the X-Men universe would have a lot of stinkers. <laughs> uh, but this is definitely the stinkiest of the bunch. Um, moving on to, and to the number nine slot here is X-Men The Last Stand. Hmm. Okay. The uh, Brett Ratner ending to the first Singer trilogy. Yeah. Um, it tries again to do a lot of interesting stuff um you know i kind of like the like the i like the idea of exploring phoenix sure just not the execution of it Um, i mean she comes back like i mean she's technically died at this point spoilers for x-men i mean (laughs) spoilers for all these movies i guess but like you you gene there's no build-up for gene over to the two films like to get to this point Mm -mm. until they're like 
oh man, we killed Wolverine's girlfriend again. So now let's bring her. It just so happens to be Jean Grey this time. So right. Like, yeah. And it's just, it's not done very well. I mean, I still think the heart of these X-Men movies are as Max and Magneto that really shines. And then in this one, they like are forced to team up for part of it. And it's like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But then like Jean Grey just like blows yes. <laughs> Professor X when you're like, wait, what? What's happening here? Um, and like, you know, there's like uh. some, in, there's like some fun stuff to it. And, but it's, you know, it's also very corny in other parts and it's messy. And I mean, there's just, there's a lot more that could have been done a lot better than the parts <laughs> yes. that they execute that are like, Oh, you did that. You did that part. Well, and like, you know, mm-hmm. now Brett Ratner's like, you know, right. terrible persons. It's like Exactly. It's a fitting it's fitting that he has <laughs> one of the worst movies, thankfully. Yeah, it yeah, I guess that is uh true. We and put that away. So then I'll move on to the last one here in this uh grouping, I guess, is X Men Apocalypse. Okay. Yeah. Uh the almost the most recent one that's come out. Uh this was like the Again, Brian Singer coming back to the X Men universe after taking. Here's Oscar Isaac as a villain, but he's big and blue. Right. The X Men movies are like grounded, which is works out so yeah. good for him in a lot of ways. But this one's like, ah, oh, no, this does not work at all. And then it kind of, he kind of like turns him into like Thanos almost. <laughs> yeah, they, they try to do a little Thanos thing, and then it's like. My my favorite part and favorite sarcastically is when he like arrives in like Egypt and he's like awakened again and he just like puts mm-hmm. his hand on the TV and he's like, I know everything <laughs> now. And you're like, what? That's that's how we're gonna do this? Okay. Um, and it's just like you know it. There's like all this like character stuff between like Quicksilver that's built up between like, hey, FYI, Magneto's your dad. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I'm gonna go tell him. Oh right. no, I'm not. And you're yeah. like, Pass. that's a whole <laughs> subplot you just wasted in this movie, and it's just like, what what are you guys doing here? Um, you know, I think they tried to do something interesting by bringing in these younger versions of the of the heroes from the first trilogy. Totally. Um, and you know, I think the casting is fine. You know, Sophie Turner as Jean Grey, Ty Sheridan as Cyclops. You know, I like both of them, mm-hmm. but like they don't get that time to shine where it's like, oh, no, I really buy into them as these characters, right. which makes like Dark Phoenix that much more challenging to sell me on because it's like, you guys didn't really set these characters up to begin with, and again, you're going to rush into this Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah. Just take your time. Um, they probably don't have much time left now. The The Disney deal is uh, looking mm-hmm. to happen, but it's just it's another one. This, this first group is like the missed opportunities that Fox had to make something you know surprisingly good and instead just like oh you just like you you took your shot right but you missed like five mm-hmm. times <laughs> and you know and then the other team went and took a fast break layup and it's like oh now Wait, you guys lost what's the other team making the fast break layup i don't know any any other or, <laughs> studio okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. any other fox franchise yeah that's a great point i, I dig i dig that i dig that um so for me that number 10 uh, i'm gonna flip movies with you here real quick okay. um and it's the last stand it just doesn't work on any level i mean yes you get wolverine back yes you get to see like a huge mutant battle but then you like look twice at it and you're like oh they're all just shooting 
serum at them. Like yeah. that's the only real enemy here, and you're turning them into normal people. Yeah. Ooh. And there's this weird like subplot or like C or D plot where some kid's like in the bathroom and he's growing angel wings. And yeah. His dad's like a diplomat, and then he's like trying to hide it from him, like it's like marijuana or something like yep. that. Yeah. Like. Okay. He's like trying to like saw him off and you're like, oh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Super gruesome uh, and just completely weird. And like, like I said, I'm so happy Burt Ratner ended up being the guy to direct this because we can just throw the whole thing away, forget about him and this movie. But X-Men Origins, I actually like a little bit better. Okay. Number one, it's Wolverine focused. But then, like you said... Um, it just loses its way from there on out. Mm-hmm. Where you meet when the he was meet up with, uh, I guess young, who shoot, Sabretooth? No, oh, uh, Colonel. What's his name? I don't remember. Yeah, whatever his name is. That whole meet up and the assembling of like a quasi. I mean, is that like the X Force too? Is that like an early gen X Force? <laughs> they don't really talk about. Kind of, uh, I mean, this movie in general is not talked about. Right. <laughs> I mean, continuity. <laughs> what. You know, whatever they don't really care about that yeah, next man for so. sure. But just the whole, the whole, the whole final act is absolutely ludicrous. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the little bit of like a tie-in from like the Thousand Mile Island or oh yeah, Ten Mile Island, whatever that incident was where our nuclear reactor broke down. Like, oh, c- cool, great idea. But then they just tie back around to he saves everybody gets shot in the head, forgets that he saved everybody. And it's like, Oh, that's way too convenient. And just mm-hmm. makes it seem like professor X was like toiling with Logan the whole time. Right. Not, not a fan of that at all. And you're thinking of striker, right? Striker. Oh yeah. Colonel striker. Yeah. Right on. Also fun fact. Do you know that David Benioff wrote the screenplay for this movie? Did he really? Yeah. Oh yes. I did know that. I did or not know that. that. Now that you say that, you remember, I remember seeing that that's on his wild. IMDb page. Yeah. It's like this, Man, that's like one tarnished thing. <laughs> right. I mean, Game of Thrones definitely outweighs this, but still like, really? What what happened mm-hmm. there? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. Who directed? Gavin Hood. No relation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I take no responsibility. <laughs> Has he done anything in the recently? Uh, uh, who cares? But I don't think so. I'm loading up his IMDb page right now. All right. Well, I'll jump into Last popcorn. thing he did was Eye in the Sky. Or no, hmm. uh, he was an actor in that. He wasn't even a director. Hmm. Uh, he also directed it. He also did Ender's Game. I thought Ender's Game was good. I haven't seen Ender's Game. It's fine. But it's got Harrison Ford in it. Does it's he fun. Do well, yeah. I mean, he's just grumpy he's... old space guy. Oh, okay, yeah. So That's Harrison typical Ford. Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> um, but jump into Apocalypse real quick because yeah, I do have that at eight. It is the least worst, um, particularly because Quicksilver is there. Um, Peter Evans, Evan Peters, there yes. we go, is probably one of the best X Men. In this reboot, this three movie reboot, four yeah. movie reboot that they've been trying to do with um, young Dr. Professor X. Professor, <laughs> thank yeah. you. I think it's technically both. But anyway, uh, his his speed scenes are some of the finest that they've ever crafted, I think. Uh, unbelievably good. Um, his one here to the beat of, uh, I don't remember what it is, is just absolutely excellent during the destruction of the apocalypse or the X-Men mansion. Yeah. After apocalypse arrives, but it's great. I think it makes the movie better, but it's just weird seeing everything like treated like this huge grand event. But then once the actual final combat happens and you like at this massive pyramid, you're just kind of like, ah, 
this is really anticlimactic because yeah, they defeat is. him and then everything goes back to normal and like let's go home yeah magneto can you use your metal powers to help rebuild our house made of wood yeah <laughs> okay sure <laughs> oh, okay i think gene gray's in there on as well too right mm, yeah i know there, there's two people there's it's magneto and somebody else i assume it have to be gene gray yeah so anyway, that's all lame, but I do like, and then there's other things like that Brian Singer incorporated into it where he's like, oh, mm-hmm. there's some nice pop culture jokes in there. Return of the Jedi meta jokes. About. Third one's always the worst. Yep. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so those are good little gags, but like I said, not, not a huge fan. Oscar Isaac is like, I was so high on him mm-hmm. after episode seven, which had just come out. The, yeah. December before. Right. It's like, so like right. six months after that the fact. It was great as Poe. Now I get to see him as a villain. I'm like, uh, yes. Not a lot to do, yeah. fortunately. Uh, let's move on then to my number seven, which is The Wolverine. Uh, the second movie in this Wolverine trilogy. This one, though, takes place after the events of the first X Men trilogy. Um, directed by James Mangold, and it's like Hugh Jackman taking Wolverine overseas to Japan. He's like this bodyguard protector fights a bunch of samurai. And the, this movie's lower on the list. And by that, I mean, it's in the lower half of the X-Men franchise because of that final act where it just goes just like ridiculous. And as you know, Wolverine, you know, he's like, he like, he's lost his adamantium claws and then like, right. Yeah. Yep. yeah and then like, he has to go like fight that giant metal, you know, like Iron Man ripoff mm-hmm. and you're like, what's happening? There's that Viper chick that's like doing who knows what. And it's just like, this movie's really just losing me. Um, but all the stuff that leads up to that, it's, a, it's, it's the foundation of where you can see that Mangold and Jackman would go with Logan once yeah. they were able to do their own thing. Cause like, it has that really nice character focus part for the first two thirds. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, Fox was like, Hey, you need to have a big action sequence because we need to sell this movie on something. And like, you get like that cool moment where like all of those arrows are being like shot at Wolverine and he's just like, people are like trying to keep him down. And you just like, mm-hmm. they can't. And it's like, yeah, you can't stop Wolverine. And then right. it's like, oh, they, they do stop Wolverine. Yeah. Okay. never mind, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> it's also got the train sequence too, though, which is like, yeah. I think still one of the best X-Men sequences in a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that sequence is great. I mean, even some of the training stuff, I mean, there, there's a lot of good, you know, stuff in this movie, but then it just like it fizzles out by the end, and you're just like, oh, okay, valiant effort, good job, good effort. You almost had it. I uh, just couldn't quite stick the landing. Otherwise, this may be up, and this could have been a top five X Men movie potentially. So then, my number six, right, I'm just missing out on the top five is the very first one. Hmm. The original X-Men uh, movie. This one, you know, it, it's before its time. It was before the superhero craze truly kicked off the way it is now. Um, you know, in the wake of the MCU doing, you know, monstrous things on a yearly basis. You know, it was this and Raimi's Spider-Man mm-hmm. that at the turn of 2000 really kicked off. It's like, no, these things can be financially profitable and financially viable and, you know, be these big franchises and, you know, it. They made the surprising choice to cast Hugh Jackman. In hindsight, you can't think anybody else would do this role justice. Yeah. By the completely. time he's just a no, he's a 
on the rise kid from Canada who gets taken into this part, like on a last minute notice. And you're just like, all right, let's see you do your thing. And he like perfectly embodies that role. He's got a nice relate dynamic with rogue in that first movie. Um, you know, all of the, you know, characters like, you know, you have James Marsden, Halle Berry, Famke Jank, uh, Jansen, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Patrick Stewart, Sir Ian McKellen, ev- everybody in this movie, that yeah. cast, you look back and you're like, they really hit it out of the park in casting this um, to set it up for that franchise. And, you know, it just has that really nice kind of down to earth stuff. There's some, there's some uh, cringy dialogue here and there. Yeah. Um, very... And, uh, you know, it, it can only go so big because of, you know, the VFX capabilities back then and mm-hmm. not making it look just like ridiculous. Um, but it also has, you know, something to say beneath the surface of, you know, using that metaphor of mutants as primarily for the Brian Singer version of X-Men as mutants are, you know, they, um, they're being subbed in for homosexuals and it's like, oh, there's, okay. there's all, cause yeah. Brian Singer himself is gay. So he just like uses that a lot to try to, there's even that scene where Iceman is that, is that an X-Men or X-Men two? Uh, I may Iceman be mixing it up in X-Men United. Yep. Um, well, where we really get our, but is that his character developed? Yeah. I mean, I think it may be X2 that, yep. that I'm thinking of mm-hmm. where he like, he's home and he's like, telling his parents like hey i'm a mutant and they're like what yeah that's okay well either way those themes are starting to be laid in this first x-men movie Mm -hmm. and you get the payoff down the road and you know it's just it's an enjoyable movie and one that you look back on you're like if this movie didn't succeed you know who knows how different the superhero landscape let alone the hollywood industry uh, would be you know 18 years after the fact yeah so then the first movie to enter into my top five is x-men days of future past mm. uh one that i think is pro is maybe their most ambitious movie because they wanted to tie together their new first class reboot and the original um x-men yeah and they do it in a really great way where the like best way you you they even introduce those new characters at the start but then they're working with the x-men plus magneto's now on the side of good mm-hmm. almost and like the x-men are being hunted and you have like this the time travel element and it's just it's so well done um that it's it was it's really surprising to like think that Fox was able to pull this off out of right. all studios. Cause like you would think, Oh, they, they're going to jumble it up somehow. I'm like, yeah, you know, there's some parts that maybe don't work as well. Like the rogue cut specifically, I think really highlights that. Um, I, I think that's actually worse than the actual cut I of the movie. I don't think I've seen it. What do they do? Well, they basically take it. So like in the regular cut of the movie, Kitty pride is the one who, um, you know, keeps Logan's right. brain at bay so he can maintain being in the past for that mm-hmm. long. But then in one of in one in the his first instance or his second one or something, yeah. he's like freaks out and like he slices her. Right. And so then the rogue cut, there's like this whole subplot where like uh Iceman and somebody else go to the present day um X mansion where it's like being like transformed into this like laboratory experimentation center for mutants and rogue is there. And there, she's like the big one that like the government wants to keep their hands on because they can like keep using her to make the sentinels. Yeah. Um, 
And so they break her out and bring her back to their hideout. So that way she can take Kitty Pryde's powers and take over, mm. uh, you know, duties of keeping Logan cool. under control. So, but like that is just, it, it's, it's, it's not executed that well in the road cut. And so like you see that and then you see the, the regular version of the movie, the regular version is definitely better, but it's still like those, the narrative execution of some of that stuff doesn't work as well as it could have. Um, but at the end of the day, you get to see, you know, James McAvoy and Patrick Stewart interacting, which is like so crazy. Right. And, um, the gotcha moments kind of were like, Hey, this is our chance to stab Halle Berry storm through the chest. And you're like, what? Yeah. Uh, opening, that opening combat fight. And so like, it's the, it's cool on, in that regards where it's like a, it's almost like praises kind of what came before, but then ushers in the new era being like, no, yeah. but this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. And I think it's done really, really well. Especially that conclusion, like with the glorified ending and everything working out great. Yeah. For sure. Um, so then number seven for me, this is probably controversial, I guess, but I I don't really dig McAvoy, Fassbender, and Lawrence's movies. So I've got first class at number seven. Whoa. Yeah, and like, listen, I I can have fun watching it, but at the same time, it's not the original X-Men films for me in a lot of ways. Uh, for, I mean, I like Beast. I love uh, how th- the McAvoy and Professor X sort of bring everybody together, but I'm just not down for an X-Men origin story. Like, I really don't care what Professor Rex was like back in the day. Okay. And I'm just like, oh, okay, I get it. They were friends. Now they're not friends anymore. And it was just sort of like a needless, it was a, need, it was a needless story to be told set to a historical event. Oh, man. I mean, and, I totally disagree. And I just, like, I can't groove it. I can't, like, find, like, an emotional hook for it. Okay. But I can still watch it and have an enjoyable time. Yeah. It's not a hate, not a hate on it at all. But I have, I just can't, I just can't connect. Okay. And by the end of the movie, I'm just sort of like, all right, that was, that was neat. But I'm still, still wondering where Hugh Jackman is. And of course, <laughs> I mean, he's there. he told them to, you know. <laughs> F off. Right. Exactly. Greatest cameo ever. Yeah, for sure. So good. It would have been, <laughs> still makes me die and like, you know, they would like reincorporate that into the, uh, if the Fox deal goes through and everything oh, like that. Oh, I mean, I, sh- I hope so. That would be fantastic. Especially him doing it to like Tony Stark or like that. <laughs> I mean, that opens a whole different conversation of will the, the MCU movies ever even drop the F bomb? They've yet to. They've hinted at it twice. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Sam Jackson. Oh, um, number six, following up again, I've got Days of Future Past. I like this one a lot. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite of the James McAvoy, Fastbender uh, prequel era, mm-hmm. I guess, or whatever you would call it. Um, especially because it incorporates everyone that you used to like and everyone that they want you to like. So it's like this perfect blend. Uh, and you know, um, Peter Dinklage, huge fan. I think he gets to play a really good complex character with like, you know, creator of the Sentinels. I love the sci-fi element to it that opens the movie and closes the movie. Yeah. Uh, that's really cool. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, X-Men in the future. That's what I'm all about. Mm-hmm. Especially the 
opening sequence of that film gets me like every yeah, it's like time. the race against the clock. Like mm-hmm. we have to survive somehow, sort of thing. Yeah, but even like before that, just the opening narration. Oh where yeah, where you get the uncovering of the X symbol and the ashes of like what some city in the mm-hmm. future. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, this is the kind of like you know superhero movie I, I like I live for. Yeah, and like and like you said, it's one of the more bold scripts that I think has ever been written, at least in terms of story ideas and continuity mm-hmm. not so much you know as what they assemble in the other parts but and you know it works out great like you can watch this movie and understand it and i think that makes it one of their better executed films yeah um and then number five the og x-men like you said it's really grounded it doesn't think too big and watching it now, it's like a little bit hokey. And then you're kind of like, oh, all that leather. Why? <laughs> it's, you know, it, it hurts your eyes a little bit. Um, you're like, anything but that would have been really good. Just put the old X-Men suits on these guys, please. Because I don't know, like, it was like all like, kind of like, it was that 2000 punk yeah. goth. It was like, how do we, how do we do this in the the modern day where like this movie takes place in like the semi future. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't take place in 2000 it takes place in like the very near future, yeah. but we have to kind of honor, you know, what came like the comics and source material, but we can't make it too crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause at that time it's like, well, would be, would people buy this sort of a thing? Yeah. So like, <laughs> well, all right, all black leather. That's what you got. And it's like sort of like they're trying to be like a spiritual ancestor of the matrix a little bit too. Yeah. But you, I just really don't think you can, beat the opening i mean you can they do but that open the, the opening with logan um just being a loner mm-hmm. in the northern reaches of canada i think he's in canada mm-hmm. in this i one. think so yeah but you said hugh jackman or he's not canada well, yeah, he's, he's not from Canadian. australia <laughs> i wanted to correct you on that uh, thank you but i just i like that attitude of him as like a loner and then him rescuing uh rogue in the opening mm-hmm. and then that that really great fight sequence i think that's excellent so then that brings us to our number four, mm-hmm. or my number four, which is X2, which going yes. back to what I was mistakenly saying about the first X-Men, uh, I'd really like that scene with Iceman where he's like, you know, coming out to his parents and, you know, in quotes of like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm a mutant. I'm not at this like prep school. I'm at this school that's teach me how to control my powers that I can, you know, and he like freezes his mom's tea or something like they're like what yeah. what's happening and it's like then like his brother is just like so like disgusted that like he just like storms out of the room but like his parents is like well are you sure you're a mutant and you're like oh like and like right. those like those are the moments where like we don't get a lot of those sort of you know political or socially relevant yeah. um you know kind of themes in these bigger movies um outside of maybe like black panther or like wonder woman um were like and even though they're touching on something that's completely different than you know sexuality Mm -hmm. um and i think that singer does a really good job you know doing all this without making it so heavy-handed we were like okay i know i know what they're doing right um and like even besides that, you know, it's the growth of all these characters. Um, it's the exploration more of Logan's past, mm-hmm. um, which is done in a really cool way with like the, the dream nightmare flashes. And, um, you know, we get the, the Jean Grey sacrifice at the end and we get more of her and more of Cyclops. And it's, it's again, more of that war of like, 
humans are can we trust them or can we not should we work with them or should we try to kill them and wipe them out or at least control them in some ways yeah um and i think x2 just does a really good job of you know taking what the first x movie did and going a little bigger but not so crazy that it's like whoa you just like jumped the gun and you went from you know x-men or to what you would think like x8 would be you know they made that (laughs) nice little jump um brought in more characters you know built out the x-mansion um you know xavier school for the gifted more and you know gave us more of these characters more Mm -hmm. a a better story uh better execution and all around just a little bit better of a movie than what we got the first time around yeah and like that's a really great thing like a point you're making about singer's script too is and like the beauty of that is that's why gifted is such a good series i Mm -hmm. think too is because it explores that it's taken those threads that he set up there it's like because like what if i mean that's what the x-men are they're an allegory for underrepresented people or you Mm -hmm. know minorities of any kind Mm -hmm. really in a lot of ways and uh, like you said especially people that are gay so that's really really cool and seeing that kind of like drawn out in i mean we're not talking about tv right now but just right the the essence of that is really good yeah it's it's nice to see that like yeah the x-men and fox and singer they were able to not only adapt the characters in most instances but they were also able to bring the themes of the original comics to life um in a very you know in a way that wasn't so on the nose you're like okay this is just like this is what you're trying to do it's like no 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 look this is like a a big fun popcorn movie mm-hmm. but then like if you dig deeper then you see like what else it actually is trying to be um and i think on those aspects it really succeeds which brings to my number three deadpool ryan reynolds is foul-mouthed hero uh comes in at three because i think it's it is a it's a very different movie you understand after seeing it why ryan pushed for like 12 or 13 years in development to be like no listen we need to make this movie this way mm-hmm. and fox is like but can we do it pg-13 no it has to be r well we're not doing it yeah. until the test footage leaks and you see oh this is what they're going for and people lose their minds and the movie breaks all sorts of box office records for r-rated movies and just like ryan reynolds as you know he is as perfect as Deadpool as Hugh Jackman is as Wolverine. Yep. Um, I mean, maybe even more so because his comedic uh, ability, his comedic mind is mm-hmm. so Deadpool that you, I, I can't think of anybody else who'd be able to do that justice. I mean, Donald Glover looked like he was going to give it a great shot on TV. Yeah. Um, but in terms of a live action, big screen, Wade Wilson, I think, I mean, we got insanely lucky with Ryan and the fact that he's able to, do this movie after being in origins and coming back from that and doing a proper version of Deadpool and really hidden out of the park with having a grounded character focused piece on a smaller budgeted movie Mm -hmm. that still has the insane violence, the insane jokes. Um, but it's really just a movie about a guy trying to save his girl. And you're like, okay, cool. Like I understand those stakes. It's not like Deadpool hurry. The world's going to explode. You have to stop it. And it's like, yeah. What? <laughs> no, that's not that's not a Deadpool thing. That's an X Men thing. And like, I don't know the way he's able to you know just make jokes about the whole thing about the X Men universe. Oh, we're going to X Mansion. Who's going to be there? Is it the McAvoy? Or this is the Stewart timeline. You know. <laughs> right. Oh, 
<laughs> wow, there's only two people in this mansion. It seems uh, so you, know, good, yeah. you couldn't afford a <laughs> it's like it's like the like that kind of commentary on Fox or at least the X Men universe as a whole. Mm-hmm. I just think is so brilliantly done that yeah. it's like those are the moments I hope that the sequel picks up on and runs with. Um, I mean, it looks like it's going really heavy in on X Force, but we'll have to wait and see if that's how if that works for them. Um, but I know for me, like the appeal of a, of a second Deadpool or even the first Deadpool was Ryan Reynolds playing this character and doing him justice, um, which then brings me to my number two, which is X-Men First Class. Unlike, I mean, yeah, I know you don't hate the movie or anything, right. but I think for me, it did such a good job of, yeah, those original X movies did a good job of setting up and showing these different viewpoints from mm-hmm. Professor X and Magneto. But then this movie, it's like, no, but how did they get to this point where like they constantly are on the opposite side, but then like you see like that they started in the same place and then just different paths, your, your different decisions or beliefs took them down these completely, you know, these crazily different paths where one is now trying to raise X-Men and teach them mm-hmm. and bring them up in this world where they can do good. And the other one's like, okay, I want X-Men, but so we can wipe out and control humanity. And you're yeah. like, that's just so, it's so different. And then the fact that like, they tie, like I love the execution of um, Eric's like, you know, troubles through, uh, you know, his, uh, his, through the Nazi camps and like his mm-hmm. like upbringing through that. Uh, I think Kevin Bacon's uh, a really fun villain in that movie. That's um, right. The Hellfire Club, I think it's all done really well. I mean, it's got Jennifer Lawrence in there. I mean, her, I think this is her best version of Mystique because she's not totally so agree. front and center or she, and she's not so like, hey, I'm Jennifer Lawrence, like the big A-list movie star now. It's like, no, this was made and she did this before she completely blew up. Um, where like she has like a, a, a very interesting quality to her that like you kind of buy in and then it's like even though the way the, this franchise has gone has completely disregarded that original trilogy like you mm-hmm. understand like they, they they do a decent enough job of setting the seeds of why she would ultimately choose to go with magneto over professor x yeah uh even though professor x is the one who like brought her in and like helped like helped raise her and like gave her a home and all this stuff um and like you know even the rose burn uh dynamic and like the love interest there i think is done really well it's just a movie about the characters and I think Matthew Vaughn jumping into this franchise and doing it did a really good job, even in- including the Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, I thought was done in a very neat way where it's like, okay, well now I'm like the moment where all the missiles are coming at the island and Magneto just stops them and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, oh crap. <laughs> okay, <laughs> this is where we're going. Um, and like, I I really, really enjoy this movie. I love this movie, um, which is why it's my number two, obviously. Okay, yeah. Um, so then I think I start at four, correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I've got X-Men United right there. Uh, at number four, especially, I think the biggest thing is it's Logan growing up and it's the Mm -hmm. first seeds of what we'll see later with James Mangold. Uh, what he'll come back to is him having to be like a parent or, you know, a guardian. It's because I still to this day believe that one of the finest scenes in superhero comic book action movie, um, films is the raid on 
the X Mansion mm-hmm. uh, by Stryker's team. You get to get to see all of those mutants use their powers in like all sorts of awesome ways. I think it's like our first really good look at Colossus or yeah of some kind. Uh, Ice Fire Dude, whose name I don't remember, <laughs> but I know he's using powers. Rogue shows or no Kitty Pride shows up mm-hmm. as well um, to kick some butt, and it's just like I love that gritty movie but at the same time still like them not being too dark or too heavy and yeah having having playful fun with it and then like when you spin over to the confrontation out front of the house where the police cars go up in smoke mm-hmm. um after they're being surrounded and the parents call 911 and everything like that which is so great but then i think you touched on it really well that it's logan focused and then everyone else is on the peripherals as he, you know, makes that journey out to the old striker base, mm-hmm. the fighting of his nail, like yeah, adamantium nail nailed nemesis, nemesis yeah. I was like, eh, okay, no, no, thank you. That that that's like the only real misstep in the movie. Yeah, or it's just like, yeah, he could have fought like literally anybody else, but you know, it was it was a cool scene. But I'm yeah, like, fingernails. Like, okay, Why don't you just put him in the knuckles. It's like I don't reason? I don't even really love the like introduction of uh striker's kid and being like oh he's like gonna take over control of people like, okay okay yeah <laughs> like I, for me that's gone like when they get to that canadian base or wherever it is mm-hmm. it's like that's where it it takes that dip but then like it comes back up at the end but like that stuff isn't what i love about that first that second movie yeah and then like um like an apocalypse it's almost like an exact redux of that whole thing yeah. In a lot of ways. And it's like, all right, I guess we're doing this 30 years earlier. <laughs> I mean, who knows how it all shakes out. Um, but that, I mean, that's just one of the many other reasons I love it. Um, but like you said, perfectly natural growth for everyone. And um, again, never gets really too big other than just everyone escaping and getting out of there. Mm-hmm. Which also, I mean, can't beat... Um, Magneto's escape from his plastic prison. All of oh, that yeah. is kooky and fun, and I love that. Uh, and so that's terrific, especially with what Mystique does. Like, she injects, like, the metal yeah. into the dude. And it's like, <laughs> Pulls it out of his blood. Yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. Oh, okay. Um, number three, I guess, unlike you, I've, I like Wolverine a lot. Okay. I mean, like, I don't think you said you didn't like it, but it's just solely Logan-focused. Mm-hmm. Um, they do overplay his grief about Jean Grey. I mean, it's still in that X-Men timeline, which is still like, uh, I don't see how this works out. But getting past that, I think you're running with it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, in the setting. I'm like, yeah, is it maybe a little too weird to place it in Tokyo? I, I don't know. But I think it fits out naturally. Yeah. Didn't hate the vibranium. No, animantium robot yes. that the dudes make but I did totally hate them just chopping off his claws with yeah. it. And he's like, oh, great. Now he's got the the bone claws again. Come on, really? Not not a fan of that. But like again, the train scene, excellent. And all of the combat fighting around um, the samurais or the warriors with the swords mm-hmm. and then the guns and everything like that, really epic. But I love it for what it sets up, especially James Mangold's character, um, the character development with Loken. Yeah. Because it plays right into what he'll do um, with Logan, mm-hmm. the movie. And that's when he gets told, I saw you dying with your heart in your hand. And you see that scene a little bit later in the movie. Yeah. Um, as he claws out the thing that makes him weak. But it'll come back 
in Logan mm-hmm. as he dies holding the hand of Daphne Keene's X-23. And it's just, just like, you know, the, those two movies together is uh, pretty beautiful. Uh, but then number two, Deadpool, die hard, hilarious. And in this world of superhero, we're not, we're not saturated yet, but we're with this phenomenon happening, this pivot to what if we didn't take it as seriously as everyone else has done mm-hmm. and it worked. And that opened the door. I believe that opened the door for not only Logan to go forward as a movie, but I think it was already happening at that point. It just was a difference between is it R is it not R. Right, yeah. They were definitely making it, but whether or not it was going to be R, I don't think it had been determined. Right. I mean, (laughs) I just, this is success. Let us have Daphne Keene decapitate a man's head and roll it out <laughs> into the fields. So, that, I mean, that's another reason why we should be really thankful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you said, Ryan Reynolds is just the perfect character here. Um, hilarious. Uh, and then his just, I mean, his own wits transplanted perfectly to him. And, you know, fourth wall breaking and just the g- willingness and the um, being a, being willing to let him poke fun at your franchise <laughs> Is like it's not something you expect them to do, but no. you get they let him do it, and it's I think it's perfect um, as well. So that's Deadpool. So then we have the same number one yeah. surprise, surprise. Right. Uh, it is Logan, mm-hmm. the most recent of the bunch, the best of the bunch. Um, I mean, we already did a review about the movie. Yep. So if you really want a full in depth thoughts on that, you can go check that out. I don't remember what episode it is, but it's very easy to find. <laughs> just just scroll, Logan. scroll through the feed and you'll you'll see it. Uh, you know, go back to last was it March, February when it came out. Um, just shortly, I mean, Logan is fantastic. Um, if it wasn't for X twenty four or whatever the Logan or the yeah. Wolverine clone is, mm-hmm. this is like you know the perfect X Men movie. I don't I don't like that you know, that path that they chose, but Boyd Holbrook as the villain for the majority of the movie, I think is excellent. I mean, yeah, there's the old man Logan dynamics where he's, he gets to be that older worn down version, but then, you know, he's taking care of professor Rex. Who's at that same age where he's losing his mind. Um, and then the introduction of Daphne Keene as X 23 has done so well. And I mean, the character itself, um, the dynamic between her and Logan is, is, it's, it's just perfect. And even though, a lot of the selling points in the movie, like, oh, we're getting that R-rated Wolverine, is so you can get like the berserker mode where he's like running through the forest after he drinks yeah. all that, you know, whatever serum it was, um, and it's for the violence and all that stuff. But like that, the movie still isn't afraid to go all in on Logan mm-hmm. as a character and give you like possibly my favorite sequence of the movie is when it's just like them at that eating dinner with that family that they meet. Cause it's yeah. just, it's, it's all of them being able to take a breath and kind of like reminisce and realize like, this is what regular life should be like, mm-hmm. um, which makes it all the more heartbreaking than when Pat, when professor X dies yeah. moments later. Um, I mean, then there's <sighs> Logan's death and it's, it's a heartbreaking film, but it's, uh, it's, it's done perfectly well. And there's even another callback to Wolver- to the Wolverine when uh, the, the katanas are hanging on the wall mm-hmm. of their place. So, I mean, it's just all around a fantastic film. Uh, it's easily number one. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like, there's this, there's the timeliness element of Mangold's uh, movie when it came out, too. It hit 
early 2017, mm-hmm. May, March, March. And it was just kind of like watching them like, wow, this is like really, I mean, they're, they're desperate characters. Not only like are the mutants being, um, the mutant kids being, you know, hunted down and escaping, um, you know, a regime that's hunting them mm-hmm. or they're after them and they're going to the board. I'm like, oh, that's, that's really cool. And then, and then there's just, oh yeah, like you can't say enough about Boyd Holbrook or Professor X and Logan's relationship. Um, and the, I don't hate X-24 as much though, because mm-hmm. it is the one big takeaway. It's like, we've, haven't we seen this before? I don't think we have, but it feels like we have. Right. And I was against it for a while until I thought, oh, that's him before all of this. Before yeah. his journey began, he's finally coming face to face with his rage. Mm-hmm. And in the end, that's what's going to kill him. And it does. But But again that ending scene of him passing away is still, you know, burned in my mind of him telling, saying those words. So this is what it feels like. Yeah. And then he dies. And I was just like, Oh man, that is, that is so crazy. But that, you know, holding his heart in his hand mm-hmm. has finally, you know, cared about something enough to protect it for as long as he had, which is, um, Daphne Keene, sex 23, uh, you know, made from, his genetics, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that is awesome. But then the action as well. I mean, just the first scenes we get with Logan as he's waking up, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the back of that limousine, just lobs a guy's arm off with reckless <laughs> so abandon. And, you know, I was expecting something vicious, but not that soon and not that graphic. No. And, you know, it just goes out from there. And um, you get sent on this western journey that's sort it's sort of like an odyssey a little bit but you know much tighter and uh grounded and i will always um think fondly on that movie so. yeah i mean it also looks great whether it's the regular version or the black and white version oh yeah the noir uh, is perfect yeah the yeah the noir version of logan is uh surprisingly even better because it, it makes you kind of forget about everything else and just Look at the character mm-hmm. and the story, and uh, I mean, yeah, hats off to everybody involved. Yeah, in you pay movie. and you pay attention to like you get to see how well James Mangold and his team craft like light in that. Yeah, so especially in that opening room sequence with Logan, mm-hmm. come with the light streaming through the blinds and where it hits, you're like, oh, this was just so well yeah, done. Yeah, it really is shaded. Uh, wish it would have won that best adapted screenplay, but <sighs> I was I was just like blown away it that got they nominated gave it to it. Yeah. so i mean i mean if if we're going oscar critiques hugh jackman should have had a best actor nom um but yeah i mean overall i think the x-men universe has done a lot of great stuff a couple of not so good stuff and then some other mm-hmm. stuff it's like yeah these are really fun movies um so i mean yeah there's inconsistencies with uh character portrayals or the canon of the events or even the character relationships, but Fox kind of doesn't really care. And at this point, neither do I, um, as long as forgetting about that can deliver a better version of the movie. Yeah. So like Logan, like, okay, I don't care if like this doesn't match up with the mm-hmm. ending of like days of future past or whatever. Right. It, it makes for the best version of that story. Then them like, all right, well let's figure out, what happened to wipe away all of this stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, no, just tell the story and we all accepted it and it was fantastic. 
for sure. Yeah, and then two, another thing is like I, just, I never noticed it till like my third time watching the movie was why the mutants all disappeared, mm-hmm. and it was the conversation like you you miss it because Logan's just so angry when he's listening to the the doctor whatever his face is before he shoots him. Yeah, but the conversation is oh yeah we just started putting an anti mutant serum in everyone's drinks yeah. yeah all the food that we own and they're just like oh my goodness and then you know there's got like a powerful corporation type like you know like beware right. your attitude to it and it was all uh really good yeah so that is our ranking of the x-men movies uh let us know what your guys' list are for these as well um just share them on social media or whatever um we'll be right back in a bit though with the news back with the news and as always we're going to start with ticket or skip it where we watch a trailer and decide whether or not based on this trailer we will buy a ticket for this movie or skip it first up we have the second trailer for ant-man and the wasp uh this one for me is a ticket um i mean i'm already sold in this movie but the trailer is also i thought was very well done mm-hmm. it really focuses focuses in on wasp which i think is a very smart move and she looks like she's absolutely going to steal the show um the oh like the car fight scene where she's shrinking and going out windows and come back through is yeah. uh i think very very cool action as well as when they're like driving the car we see we saw it in the first trailer but then when they go small then they go big and mm-hmm. pop the car over um wasp everything about her i'm just loving from these trailers uh, and then just overall as a from a superhero movie or mcu standpoint it also looks like it is going to be kind of that nice palate cleanser like infinity war left a lot of people devastated yeah. and crushed and now it's like hey two months from now though come back to the movies watch what takes place before or like at the same time as ant-man in the water as an as infinity war and just have some fun come back hang yeah. out with luis have him tell you some stories mm-hmm. let scott and Waff and uh, hope go fight ghost which her powers look really cool they do um really well done yeah. um and then go try to try and save janet van dyne and you know have you know size joke <laughs> contest yeah. between scott and uh you know bill foster played mm-hmm. by Lawrence fishburne yeah it, it is uh that that comedy may not grow old on me very well but in the moment it works yeah. really it works really good uh but i'm gonna take it two for this like um especially because you know as the trailer says i want to rock right now along with these people mm-hmm. i just it's got the um this loose vibe to it that um, I really dig from Guardians that, that was followed by Thor Ragnarok and the, just nothing seems too crazy right now. Uh, and then, you know, Paul Rudd, lovable. And then you've got his daughter in that relationship. And that's mm-hmm. like, that's the sweetest thing ever. I think that's what made the first Ant-Man movie for me. Yeah. Was when he gives her that creepy doll. He's like, I love it. Yeah. And then runs off with it laughing away. I'm like, oh, that's great. That's now perfect. their pet aunt is playing drums. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Anthony, is that Anthony? Or did Anthony no, get crushed? No, Anthony is the one that got shot. That's right. Poor Anthony. But um, the, yeah, it just looks like they're embracing weird for this movie instead of 
like the usually the first time around in Marvel films where they're like, all right, let's get this grounded and buy it believable for people. I'm like, no, heck, we'll have an ant, we'll have a giant yeah. ant running around the house playing drums. It's perfect. Um, and like you said, the action just looks incredible. Her um, wasps intro into this trailer is just totally punching out everyone in that vehicle, mm-hmm. and it is epic as heck. It reminds me of actually the Elastigirl scene where she like dive bombs oh, into yeah. that helicopter. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh man. So there's really cool action there. Um, Story-wise, I still don't get it quite, but it's quantum realm related. Yeah. They're definitely keeping things close to their chest. I mean, they haven't even... I mean, Michelle Pfeiffer was on the poster that they released, but she's not in the trailer. And note to her being on the poster, she is in gear too. Yeah. Which is like... Which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, mean, she was lost in the quantum realm wearing the suit. So um, she would still wear that. I think... To me, I think it's interesting to note that she's still aged in the time because the quantum realm was like a place beyond space and time or whatever mm-hmm. they described it as. So it's like, but still, like it takes the time does pass at the same rate, even if you're in there, which is interesting. Um, you know, there's been theories that maybe she is actually a villain in this movie. Ooh, maybe that's why they're not revealing her, and that's why Ghost has the abilities to quantum realm phase maybe that she's doing I don't because know. the theory comes from the fact that in the comics hope uh van dyne played yeah. by evangeline lily is a villain character um called like the red queen or white queen i think it's the red queen okay. um and it's like you know she's basically an evil version of wasp but then like could they do that with Janet? It doesn't. I don't understand where it would come from from a character perspective, mm-hmm. but I don't hate the theory either because it's like that'd be kind of a cool twist. Yeah. Um, to make it be about, it's that familial theme is very heavy in the first Ant Man movie. It looks like it's going to be a very big theme in the second movie mm-hmm. too. So it make it makes sense to me if they found a way to tie that in. But do we need it? Probably not. Yeah. If anything, I think the twist would be that Bill Foster is ghost's father um but we'll have to wait and see if that's the case or not um we also got our second trailer for teen titans go to the movies Mm -hmm. josh yes is this a ticket as well oh yeah that's like two tickets because that's probably what i'll end up seeing this is this is dc's this is dc's deadpool moment even though wade Slade slade promises swears even in this trailer a thousand times he is not deadpool but man, this is just so funny. Will Arnett's such a great voice actor. I'm glad that they brought him over to voice Slade. Um, and, but just like this whole cast is so funny. Uh, they're they're having fun with it. They're like, why is everybody getting a movie? Why are the Guardians of the Galaxy getting a movie before another Batman and Robin comes out? Or, you know, all of these other arguably more beloved DC characters. Yeah. There's the self-referential. Did they make a Green Lantern movie? Yes, they did, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> you know, they're not they're they're allowed to have fun with this, and I think it's perfect. Um, I mean, like little Yachty's playing Green Lantern. Uh, Nick Cage is supposedly he's voicing su- Superman, Superman, so yep. he's getting his time as his uh, lifelong dream, the Man of Steel. <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel, I thought was allegedly he is, he is Batman. Batman. So we'll see how that pops up. And there's even, you know, digs at Disney's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. go with, uh, what do you want to do? Have a dance off to fight me? <laughs> it's just, uh, I'm here for it like a thousand percent. It looks like it's just going to be a light movie where you can just laugh your way through, mm-hmm. especially for people that like, you know, 
track comic book movies right. as close as we do. Yeah, uh, I will also give this a ticket. I think uh, this is looks funny. It had a different humor than the first trailer did. Or the first one's like, "Hey, we're gonna end it on a thirty second fart joke." It's like, <laughs> right? Uh, okay. <laughs> this one is like, it's more that self referential stuff, like poking fun at the genre mm-hmm. of like. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of true. Like, how are all of these other characters getting... How is, how is it going to be three Guardians of the Galaxy movies out before we potentially see, like, a Flash movie or, right. like, a Cyborg movie yeah, or something? It's like, exactly. it's, it's kind of ridiculous. Um, but, like, this movie in particular, yeah, like, I am very interested to see how they play the Deathstroke angle. Like, I mentioned you in before we start recording like they, he just says i am slayed and they, he doesn't actually call himself deathstroke they never he never corrects like no i'm not deadpool i'm deathstroke so it's like are they not going to call him deathstroke because <laughs> yeah. this is like aimed for kids and that's maybe mm-hmm. too violent of a name that they don't want to go there even if that is the case i don't really care i mean deadpool too i mean yeah they're saying that in there i don't know so it was just like it's just weird like he never he never goes like I'm Slade Wilson. It's right. like no, I'm Deathstroke. It's like so. It's yeah. like why, why change it up there? Nah, I'm pretty sure you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, it, it looks fun. It looks cute. I mean, it's not again. It's not a movie that's uh, tailored for me necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's like this is a movie that's aimed for the people that watch the cartoon show that still is ongoing, I believe. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it comes out in end of July, I believe, end of June. Um, if there's nothing else out, sure, I'd, I'd probably go check this out, and I think probably have a good time with it. Offhand, into the Spider Verse is that this summer? It is December. Oh, I was excited. It'll be it'll be a great companion piece to this. Oh, I'm I'm way more excited for Spider Verse mm-hmm. than this okay. movie, but yeah. Fair enough. Hey, it doesn't. That's not a slide on this movie. It's no, just it's like, just two different things. Right yeah, Spider Verse looks amazing. Great um, year for animated superhero movies. Absolutely. Hopefully, we get to see many, many more of them mm, in the future. Uh, we've already seen plenty of Robin Hood movies, and now we're getting another one. This one starring uh, Taron Egerton, and we got our first trailer this week. And I was just pleasantly surprised that Warner Brothers made a Green Arrow movie. <laughs> Even that's right. Even though this is a Lionsgate Robin Hood movie, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like really, this is like sold me. I was like, well, I could really see Taron Egerton as Oliver Queen in the DC universe, playing Green Arrow. Yep. Like he pulls it off really well. Um, I mean, that's obviously not. I don't think that's exactly what this trailer is going for, but right. that's where my head went. And even you know, disregarding that possibility, like I uh-huh. still thought this was an enjoyable trailer. I'd give it a ticket. Um, you know, I think it had a, a nice mix of action where it was still, it still modernized it a little bit where like, I I know people like making fun of the fact that like this Robin hood character has like threaded a threaded hoodie. And it's like, but like we've seen, there's been already like seven or eight takes on Robin hood. Like you have to give like some, you have to try to do something different. And I like the fact that like this one, he's already like been robin hood it's not like oh here's the journey to become robin hood he already right. has been robin hood he's still yeah. being robin hood we actually get to see him take from the rich give to the poor sort of thing mm-hmm. um you know we didn't see a lot of ben Mendelssohn, but he's playing another villain character he's yeah. a great villain so i would assume he's going to be another good villain sheriff. yeah he's a sheriff in nottingham yep. um so i'd assume he's going to be good in that role uh jamie fox as little as john little little john whatever his name is yeah. uh 
he looks he looks fun. I want to see more of that mentor men, uh, mentor relationship mm-hmm. um, between him and Edgerton. But I was also impressed. I mean, Otto uh, Bathurst is the director. First time directing a feature. He's done a lot of television in the past. But it looks like he has a decent eye for action. I mean, just like there's the, the one shot that stands out to me the most is when Edgerton runs out of this alleyway and he like flips to the right, shoots a guy and keeps flipping over and shoots another guy. He's and you're like, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like that was like really cool. Like, yeah, it's a lot of slow-mo. There's like, right. There's like, oh, is this Zack Snyder doing this movie? Or Guy Ritchie. Or is, yeah. yeah. Or is this the next Guy Ritchie, King Arthur? It's like, those are like the two comparisons. That's exactly what I um, I hope it's better than the King Arthur movie. Same here. Um, but even if it's the same, if I have the same reaction, like, okay, the movie wasn't great, but I really liked Taron Edgerton as Robin Hood and had good action. Yeah. And it'll be like, okay. It is a lot more Batman to me. I think that was a really good comparison to say Green Arrow, which is probably where my head should have gone. Right. Like, you know, first of all, because he's running around with a bow and arrow. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely like the first vigilante, you know, hero, but he's also egalitarian. And he's given back to the force. So it had like, if it, the the movie is selling us on these big slow-mo action set pieces, like you said. It felt like watching Sucker Punch in a couple of yeah. scenes, especially when they were doing a flashback to him carrying somebody out of a city um, mm-hmm. after a crusade. Like, that looks really intense. But also, it looks like it's trying to be funny. So if it's going to find a way to balance like this Ocean's Eleven type, Ocean's Eight heist type of movie... I think it could really have a chance of setting itself apart from um, Ridley's mm-hmm. Robin Hood with, with Russell, Russell Crowe. Crow. Uh, I know the, the been Kevin others. the Kevin Costner one. There's the Carrie Elwes one. The Costner one though that's that centers on his daughter though, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. No. I mean, it's it centers on Robin of whatever the city is. Oh yeah, okay, fair enough. It's like a wood place, right? Sherwood. Yeah, they live in the forest. That's right. I don't know. I'm not caught up on the legend. But I, ju- I just watched that movie yesterday, but I cannot tell you for life of me what. Which is the one with Keira Knightley? Is that the daughter of Robin Hood? I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, yeah. There's a Keira Knightley one where she's the daughter of. And I don't think Kevin Costner's the, the father in that one, but. Interesting. Oh. Whatever the point is. This one also looks like it's very. Uh, like, I don't want to say egalitarian again, but um, rioty. Like, yeah. like uprising type of an attitude mm-hmm. to it. I'm like, okay, this would be interesting. And there was like a hint of like V for Vendetta. Yeah. Oh, of like yes. every word. Cause like even somebody, even, even, yeah, even somebody says like, who's Robin Hood? We're all Robin Hood. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Like, again, it's a, it's, it's an idea that it's, or it's an approach that helps make this different from other versions of Robin <laughs> yeah. Hood we've seen. I saw a couple of people be like, what was, what was the pitch for this? It's Robin Hood. And then that's it. Yeah. <laughs> How's it different? It's not. Okay, here's $100 million. So go do it. I'm like, but I, I see differences here. I know it was originally titled Origins. Yeah. So, you know, if this is the first of a few, let's do it. Yeah. Um, because Taron Anderson's a great actor. Mm-hmm. And then as long as Jamie Foxx is sticking around and they don't kill him off and Ben Mendelsohn remains, you know, a foil, I would love to see these people developed out. Right. And like Jamie Dorman's in here. Haven't, I mean, I've never, I don't right. think I've ever seen him in anything. So all he's done, I think, is the Fifty Shades movies. But, uh, you know, at least in the Kevin Costner version, the character he plays is like Robin's brother. So I don't know if that is part of the legend and that's like fact or that's the way this is going to go again. But, I mean, that could be a potentially franchisey role for uh, him as well. So, And then looks like the female lead, Eve Hewson. Mm -hmm. She looks great as well. 
Um, so yeah, it looks like a ton of potential for another Karen Edgerton franchise. Yeah, I was very surprised that I was like, oh, I, I'll, I'll 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 buy a ticket to this yeah. movie. I was expecting like, I was expecting like, a, oh, this is King Arthur, just with you know bow and arrow, and like, yeah, it could be that, but it looked more promising than I think King Arthur did. Princess of Thieves. Ah, clever. <laughs> uh, Malcolm. No, I lost his name. Oh, Stuart Wilson is playing Robin Hood there. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. But uh, then we move on to our last trailer. This one is definitely a teaser trailer. So this is definitely going for the ticket or skip it type vibe. Uh, the first one for a simple favor, the latest from director Paul Feig teams Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick on this mystery thriller. Uh, offbeat comedy potentially. <laughs> it's uh, one of those two. What is it? Thriller, and would you comedy. buy a ticket for it? Well, uh, buying a ticket for this, yeah, like you said, it, it has one of those two things. Like you know, you, the mood of the trailer is this is gonna be like you said, an offbeat comedy for, for like for Paul Feig. It's a, it's a pivot, you know, but at the same time, still sticking with what he knows. And on the other hand, everything in the trailer, content-wise, is like. This is a thriller. Yeah. She's killed someone, and now Anna Kendrick's going to have to, you know, find out what went wrong. You know, what did Blake Lively, or no, Emily, her her best friend, Mm -hmm. get herself into? And who knows? I don't know. But uh, I'm here for it. Because the less I know from trailers, the more I get intrigued. Right. Weirdly. But at the same time, I want to know everything I can. (laughs) But yeah, but, you know, I'm always out there for these different movies, and this looks different enough. So I'm going to do a ticket. Just based off of, I don't know what the heck is going to happen here. Right. Let's do it. Yeah. What about I, you? I am also going to give this a ticket. Uh, Blake Lively is perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, her being this like, you know, the perfect version of like a, uh, like a, a supermodel mother or wife or whatever yeah. her deal is. It's like, yeah, like I instantly buy her in that role. Well, and that's then, her role in like real life. Exactly. Her, so it's her, like, her it, it seems like perfect casting for her. And mm-hmm. I was very impressed with her in the shallows. Yeah. Uh, two, three years ago now. Was that 2015? I think it was last year. It was last summer, wasn't it? It was, it wasn't, was it? It was not 2017. Oh man. Let's I don't see. think, I don't think I could be wrong. I feel like it was 2016. 2016. Yeah. Um, but either way, I was impressed with her as a actor, as an actress in that movie. And we don't see any of her acting in this as like speaking or anything. It's just her looking beautiful, which is just like super easy for like lively to do. Um, but then like there's, there's a shot in this trailer that, that was like, okay, I'm buying a ticket because of this where she's like walking around and like what I, what in instantly to me read as like a assassin clothing, where she's like all oh, blacked in out in her like, um, like her black, you know, diamond studded high heels, and she's got a gun. And I'm like, is that what this is, movie's gonna be? Like, huh. is this like, because like everybody's like, we don't. I I feel like it, it ends with you know Anna Kendrick saying like, I you know Emily's been missing for five days, and I've come to realize I don't know her as well as I thought I did. Yeah. And like, is that what this movie's gonna be? Where like she's gone because she's been like kidnapped on a mission, or she's been taken hostage, or like. Hmm. something and like she's actually this like assassin which would be like so interesting it'd be like the accountant kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's part two with anna kendrick which would um, be great it would be great i mean it would I'm, be the simple favor though what's the simple favor like avenge my death like if, if you well this. no I, I feel like it'd be like saving her or like so i don't know if it's like 
Blake Lively's like kidnapped or something. Mm-hmm. And then it's like up to Anna Kendrick to like figure out she is this like spy assassin and then save her and then don't tell the secret. I don't know. But like to me, that was like, that's what I thought of. There's like the synopsis doesn't give any hints towards like some international spy plot. Yeah. But like to me, I was like, that'd be a super interesting way to go. Um, if they don't, fine. Right. But like, that's where like right now I want that movie to be because yeah, I think that'd be really fun. Definitely has this like 21st century nor attitude mm-hmm. to it. So I mean I can't because like the the poster for this or the you know the artwork for it is this big question mark. Yeah. So that like you know invokes like detective work mm-hmm. or you know something like that. So if it does go um, international mystery thriller spy type of an attitude to it, I'm here for it. Yeah, and like Blake Lively and or Emily as her character's name is. She's shown in like all these different outfits and styles and hair colors and like why else would I mean unless it's like disguises like why else would she need to do all this I mean I don't know yeah she's supposed to be like internet famous or something in the movie so maybe that's just why she's like getting endorsement deals or whatever mm-hmm. but I don't know I hope that's where this movie goes if it is uh, that'd be awesome and uh, Blake Lively's husband on the other hand as we move on to news is Ryan Reynolds and he told Star News Korea. That Deadpool 3 is not a guarantee to happen. He said, quote, for Deadpool 3, you know, it's an odd thing to say, but I don't think there will be a Deadpool 3. I think going forward, it would be an X-Force movie. So we're getting Deadpool 2 in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be the end of Deadpool's franchise already? Uh, I mean, I guess so. But unless you count the X-Force as the Deadpool franchise as well yeah but i would take ryan reynolds's word for it because if you watched his interview he he'd given it some thought beforehand i mean Mm -hmm. it wasn't like you know he was speculating at that point right he kind of said specifically i don't think there's anywhere else for deadpool to go now other than the now that that we've brought the team in it's like how do you go back from that yeah Mm -hmm. i mean like you have to just get rid of them all and say though they're not there anymore Mm -hmm. but he said that having a Avengers that are morally flexible, you know, is more interesting than just Deadpool solo again. Um, which is why, you know, and it was a great point too, because you want your movies to be expansive and change your characters. Mm-hmm. This isn't like if you were serializing Deadpool in a franchise, sure. Have him do little selfish adventures and have no learning, you know, for Deadpool, but this is a character arc for the guy. So you're going to have to, change things up instead of just doing okay let's do another movie but bring the x-force back in and this time he will try to save you know something else i don't know Mm -hmm. what the point would be but i i think that's 100 percent right especially with the looming disney deal i think deadpool is dead or at least not dead but (laughs) it is he can't be killed yeah he can't be killed but he's definitely moving away from solo movies and whatever's else. I mean, he needs people to play with. Yeah. And the X-Force is that perfect combination for him. Don't you think? Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think it does make sense for him to, or for the Deadpool franchise to end in a sense and let X-Force be the new thing because, I mean, yeah, otherwise, I mean, Deadpool 2 is basically the first X-Force movie anyways, it appears. Mm-hmm. So, like, Deadpool, in hindsight, may just be a standalone movie. It's yeah. just like, this was a standalone Deadpool movie and everything else is X-Force in some way related. Um, and I think it's, it's easier on Ryan. He can he could still focus on the bigger picture, writing these movies, um, being involved in them, starring in them. But like 
you can also have you'll still have cable you'll still have domino i mean even who knows if terry cruz is going to be around for the sequels mm-hmm. as bedlam or if uh lewis tan shatterstar or if um the dude the dude from it uh yeah. peter skarsgård or bill skarsgård mm-hmm. um if he'll be around like whatever or if peter w with his mustache was back <laughs> yes. i mean there's a bunch of different ways for this franchise to go moving forward that i understand why he would want or maybe not once but he why he's thinking just stopping it there i mean they even make a joke about in that second or third trailer like they probably won't even make a third (laughs) yeah why (laughs) you're killing it just stop it too right like so i think that's this this is a very intentional thing and like you said like this isn't something that he just decided on the spot or like like yeah you know i'm thinking maybe not do one it seems like this is where he wants this franchise to go or this is like a you know public marketing (coughs) or negotiation thing for reynolds where like he knows the disney deal is agreed upon and it's not official yet because still regulatory hoops to jump through but he knows it's probably going to go through and his bosses he doesn't know what version they're going to want will they let him do the hard r deadpool or would they be like no we need to scale you back to pg-13 and if that's the case then yeah he'd probably mean x-force could probably be done PG thirteen, probably I guess. But I mean, would it have still be as punchy? I mean, yeah, I don't know. But like, which is the point? It it would. There's a way for that franchise to continue on and have a subdued version of Deadpool. But then also, he can be saying this now, thinking, "All right, well, the sequel's coming out in two weeks. It's probably going to do make a lot of money at the box office when the Disney deal closes in six months from now or whenever." And X Force is in production, and it's looking really good. And you know, Bob Iger's like, "Hey, Ryan, when you know what's happening with X Force Two or Deadpool 3? And he's like, "Yeah, you know, I don't think I want to do Deadpool Three. It's like, "But, but it yeah. just it just made a billion dollars, Ryan." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you know, I need to, I, if, if I if I do it, I have to do it my way." And they're like, "Oh, we'll let you do it our." And he's like, "Okay, cool." So this could just be like a negotiating tactic by Reynolds too, yeah, just being supposedly. like, "Hey." Just in case, I mean, new bosses are coming in. I'm going to be under new management soon. I want to do things my way or not do them at all. Possibly, but at the same time, I mean, he didn't sound, I mean, he didn't seem like it was, it was snide like that. Or no. Sort of like, I don't know, gee, type of an attitude to it. Yeah. It almost seemed like, it seemed determined. Yeah, maybe. Because I've never really seen Reynolds talk that thoughtfully about his projects. Right. Um, I'm sure he has in some interviews beforehand, but that was the first time I really noticed it. And it seemed to be that he had thought this through mm-hmm. a lot. And it seems like it's the direction he wants to go more so than um, what he's expecting to happen. Yeah. Cause especially when he talked about Deadpool, too, he's like family, that's the next place you can go for him, mm-hmm. but he doesn't know where else you would take Deadpool afterwards. Yeah. So that's why you would need to keep him in the X force. So he can have that kind of, um, that mixture to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, cause him to react in certain ways and things like that. Because he's like, he said, he's an inherently selfish character right. in a lot of ways. So being forced to work with a team or, you know, try to do some like a smidgen of good mm-hmm. in the midst of like everything else that he's doing. Uh, but yeah, it was really interesting and kind of unexpected for him. To Very say honest. Yeah, I think for sure as well. And if, you know, if Deadpool two is the end of Deadpool's franchise and it is X force. Cool. Um, 
I would then assume that the only way a Deadpool 3 would happen is if it's Deadpool and Wolverine mm-hmm. together. I feel yeah. like that's the only way we'd get another quote-unquote standalone Deadpool movie is if that happened somehow. So then our last story this week is uh, from that hashtag show, which reported that Todd McFarlane uh, has offered Jamie Foxx the role of Spawn for his reboot movie. Uh, McFarlane is the comic creator. He's written uh, Spawn for many, many years. Uh, he created the character. Now he is writing the script for this reboot. He's going to direct the movie as well. And Jamie Foxx is now reportedly has an offer on the table to play the part. Fox in like 2013, 2014 was saying he was aggressively pursuing this role, but under a different iteration of a potential movie. So now that he has an offer, do you think he would take it? Do you want him to take it? Do we even care about Spawn? What are your thoughts? I've never read a Spawn comic. I don't know anything besides the Spawn movie, which is weird and gross and stupid all at the same time. Terrible. Yeah, it's tosses um michael martin sheen around uh, all yeah. over the place which is like one of the most out of the place castings of all time i think uh but jamie fox is great mm-hmm. the one of the best and if he picks up a character you gotta wonder like he would see promise in it yeah and with cg and effects where they are today you could really bring spawn in his full costume to life um, as opposed to what they only did, like what they tried or, to do one or two moments yeah. in the old spawn, which is like, I didn't know that that was like roundly hailed as like the worst CG. Ever. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's that bad, but it's, it's definitely bad. not great in any respect. You can I tell mean, it's like that, like what was it blade one that the ending of blade is That's there's right. some terrible CG there as well, but different times. Of course. Yeah. So, you know, I'm all, I'm definitely um, skeptical of this because okay. I just don't think there's a story here. Yeah. But then again, I didn't think that about a lot of things before <laughs> they were able to get that. Right. But if you bring, if you're, I mean, you're bringing Hellboy back, I mean, like, so I guess there's somebody out there who thinks there's a market for these kind of films. Yeah. Um, in comics. So sure. Why not go for it? I mean, Jamie Foxx is beloved. Um, he could do it. Well, I believe. Yeah, I mean, Fox, I'm a huge fan of Jamie Foxx. Um, I, however, don't want him to take this part. Okay. I mean, if he does, then it'll give me a boost of confidence in this project. But, I mean, Todd McFarlane's reboot just sounds like a bad idea. Like, everything he said about it, he's like, oh, I want to make Spawn like Jaws. Where, like, mm. Spawn is, like, barely seen. And instead, the focus is on this, like cop named twitch it's like okay but it's like uh and then like he's also said that like they're not gonna show his origin so like for fox that's like all of his screen time (laughs) would be in the origin part of the story and not after his death and then he's brought back to life as this demonic being he doesn't like there's not a lot of going back and forth between spawn and then his human persona so like then we're looking at just a voice role but McFarlane's also said that Spawn isn't going to speak in this movie. So then you're just looking at Fox doing mocap for yeah. this movie, potentially. Um, I mean, unless this report is being mixed up and he was offered the role of Twitch, the cop, as the lead role and not as Spawn, then it'd be like, okay, 
cool. You know, yeah. if Fox in a leading role opposite of Spawn, maybe that would interest me a little bit more. But I don't want Jamie Foxx to be cast in a role where you're not going to see his face. He's not going to speak. And he's going to be part of a movie that, personally, I don't think sounds like a good concept in any way. So if I'm Jamie Foxx, I pass. But I'm not Jamie Foxx. So... Who knows what's going to yeah, happen? Yeah, and I think if there's any hope of getting this movie out before New Mutants, the first like horror film, yeah, superhero comic that we have going for us, this might stand a chance of being super unique, but there's no chance of that unless they started now and Well, that's the thing. The the casting details were that like if any of the actors, if Fox cuz Fox is the only one who has an offer out. So if Fox mm-hmm. or any of the other actors accept the role, then filming would start in like June or no August, I think. But like, that's a very short turnaround time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a Blumhouse movie. So, and I Blumhouse has done a lot of really good stuff in the last couple of years. They have a pretty good track record, but I just, I don't know. There's nothing about this that really excites me. I mean, Fox would definitely be the biggest reason to get excited, but then if you're not going to see him or hear him, then it's just a throwaway role for him. And it's just cashing a paycheck to do who knows what. Right, yeah, to make make faces and yeah, <laughs> I guess so. Uh, that's all we have for the news this week. Very loud on news, which is why we did a longer uh, start of the show. We did the list to kind of beef us up a little bit. Um, next week again, nothing really coming out, so we don't know what we're gonna be doing. We may be doing a uh, episode with Colton of our favorite movie experiences of all time. Uh, that could be a fun one. But, you know, if that doesn't work out, maybe we'll do a retro review. Uh, anything is up in the air. It's all it's anything's possible at this point. So uh, we'll also be back this week, though, with a big question staying in line with this X-Men theme of how can the X-Men be introduced into the MCU? Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous episodes, please subscribe, share, retweet and more. Plus, head over to iTunes and give us a five star review with comments telling us why you enjoy listening to the show. And then be sure to tell us your thoughts and everything you covered by tweeting us at Friends of Film. You can follow me personally on there at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks again for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to turn next week for our future episodes. <laughs>